Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. It's great. I just, I just love that simple last line of the bridge. He is for you. He is for you. How amazing in like there's so much power in just that simple truth. Just that simple truth. That God, the God of the universe, is for you. He's for you. If you have any doubt this morning of your place and, and whether you belong and whether God cares and whether He's listening, it's right there. He is for you. He fights the battle for you. So amazing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Wonderful God. You can all take your seats. Oh, such a good. Can we give a hand to the worship team quickly? Thank you. just wonderful. Right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Luke, and this week we are talking about Lord of the Rings. And you know, look, we talk about Jesus every week, and it's just, it's Christianity, moral ethics, do this. Do this. I thought we'd shake it up, so we'll just put God on the back burner, and if I had to choose between other topics, Lord of the Rings is a good topic to choose. Can I get an Amen. Maybe? Maybe not? Can I have a show of hands who has watched or read Lord of the Rings? Good, okay. Quite a few. And can I get a show of hands who hasn't watched or read Lord of the Rings? Right. Well, in this congregation, we don't judge, but I will be assigning homework. So look out for that. (laughs) No. Lord of the Rings... um, is a book trilogy and was turned into movies by Peter Jackson, and I absolutely love both. Um, and the part, a few months ago, I was rereading the books. I watched the, I watched the movies a lot more often than I read the books, and so I was rereading and I was coming across all the little differences that you get between books and movies, some good, some bad, some big, some small. But I think that they're, they're both amazing and they were both done really well. But there was this one little difference, and it, it is quite a small difference, when, when you think about it. But it was this thing that was in the book that wasn't in the movies. And as I came across it reading, it just, it was actually struck me as something quite powerful. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Lord of the Rings, although shame on you, um, I don't need to explain the entire thing, the entire plot for you to understand what I'm about to say. All you need to know is that there is a good army, a bad army, and the good army has a lost king. That's all you need to know for what I'm about to say. And so the good army and the bad army were fighting. This is where I was up to in the book. It was in the third book of the trilogy, about halfway through. Um, For those of you who are familiar, this is the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Um, The good army and the bad army were fighting, and the bad army was winning. And, And the good army, the good soldiers, they were losing hope. Like, they were on their last legs. It was not looking good. And in fact, they did lose hope as up the river, they saw these black ships come, presumably 
with enemy reinforcements. And they were already, the enemy was already like stomping on them. And so with the reinforcements, it, the, their fate was all but sealed. And so the, the good army, they just lost all hope. But then on the frontmost ship, a banner was unfurled. And this is the difference, because in the movie you don't have this banner, but in the book, a banner is unfurled. And on that banner is the crest of the lost king of the good army. And the spirit, they haven't seen the king yet, they don't even know if he's there, but they see this banner, and the spirits of the good armies just rise up, and their energy is renewed, and they get a second wind when they see that banner, because they know the power behind that banner. And then from that ship, which is supposed to have enemy reinforcements, the good king, the lost king, leaps out with reinforcement armies from the south, and the enemy is thrown into disarray and confusion, and the good side wins that particular battle. But what struck me as so powerful, and it is really when you read it, it's, it's quite a small difference. There is a banner or there isn't a banner in the movies. But just the fact that before they'd even seen the king, they'd gone from, they were at zero hope, and then they saw that banner, they saw what it represented, and their spirits just rose up. And it was really powerful when I read it. I mean, I read through like the entire trilogy at that point, so I was emotional and like, it was all, I was all invested. Um, so the power is probably not quite here, me just saying it now. But there you go. You'll be invested by the end of it. Um, unfortunately, I haven't been charged with talking about Lord of the Rings this week because this month is stewardship is our topic. And so I want to talk about being banner bearers. Yes, it's already up there. Awesome being banner bearers and being good stewards of God's victory. So, to start, I'm going to give a very quick roadmap for where I plan to head, just so if I, you know, wander and, and waffle on, you can, you can point me back in the right direction. So first, I want to talk about God as a banner and God as our banner. We, in fact, use the title Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is our banner. And so I want to talk about what that looks like and what characteristics of God we are highlighting. Because when we ascribe titles to God, we usually highlight particular characteristics. For example, the Lord, my provider, is highlighting the fact that he provides for us. That one's quite obvious. But banner isn't quite so obvious. So we'll look into that. And then after that, we'll look at how we are banner bearers. If God is our banner, then we are bearers of that banner. And what does that look like and what does that mean? And then lastly we'll look at the stewardship aspect, which is if we are in fact bearing this banner, how do we do so effectively and well? Or the, the inverse is, is how would, what would be an example of bearing it poorly? So does that sound like a plan? Yeah? Better than Lord of the Rings? I might have to fight you on that one, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, so we'll jump straight into that first point about God being our banner, and I'm going to take us to the passage of the Bible where... God is given that title, and I think it's the only place, from, from what I've discovered, and it is a title given to the Lord by Moses after a battle not dissimilar to the one we found in Lord of the Rings. So I'm reading from Exodus 17, verse 8 to 16. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, "'Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites.' Tomorrow I will stand up on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. 
So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely block out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. So we have a battle. And in this battle, there isn't actually much instruction given by God. It seems to be given by Moses. And Moses tells Joshua to go out and fight. And Moses takes the staff of God, and he goes up a hill. And as long as he raises the staff of God up in his hands, the Israelites are winning. And then something about this series of events causes Moses to ascribe the title the Lord is my banner to God. So what was it about this event and about the structure and the outcome of this battle that had the idea of a banner in Moses' mind? Well, in order for me to understand it better, I went first to the Hebrew. And so this word Nisai is, is a title derived from the Hebrew word, uh, it's pronounced nace, but it's spelt ness. If I say ness a lot, just forgive me, but it's, apparently it's pronounced nace. And so this word translates to a standard ensign, signal, or sign. And so that, that first one, standard, is, is most relevant here, because a standard is a type of flag. A standard is basically synonymous with a war banner. And so what is a flag, what is a war banner? Well, a flag we're pretty familiar with. It's a piece of cloth that flaps in the wind, it's got bright colors on it, maybe some symbols, and it's usually identifying or signifying something. Maybe it's the flag of Australia, in which case all the little things on it, the, the Union Jack and the stars, they all have their little meanings, but together, all around, it means the country and the nation and the people of Australia. But a standard is, and a war banner is slightly different from, or it's, it's, it's a more specific type of flag for two main reasons. One is that it was born into battle. And nowadays we don't bear every flag that in existence into battle, but standards, they were used in battle. Whether they flew sideways on a pole or whether they hung down, they were born by a standard bearer into battle. And the second more specific difference is that they, were, they weren't just used to identify any old thing. They were used specifically to identify a kingdom or a king. And so the colors on the, on the war banner, or the symbols, or the crest, or the charges, or whatever you want to call it, were used in the identification and the representation of a king or a kingdom. And so we can actually see that um, in the Exodus passage. And we see three main, I think, three main functional points 
of, of the banner that we can take with us as we begin to understand why God is our banner and how God is our banner. The first is visibility. A banner isn't very useful if it's not seen. Like, that's why it's made of cloth and it's supposed to catch the wind and have a movement to catch your eye and it's bright colors. It's supposed to be seen. And if it's not seen, then it doesn't do its job. The second is identity. Because the charges and the colors upon the standard were meant to identify the kingdom and the king. And if they had the wrong symbols on, then it's not going to be doing its job. Or if it had the wrong colors. And the third is a declarative function, where as this standard, as this war banner is born into battle, it does more than just say, hi, we're from the kingdom down the road, we're just here to say hello. But the standard actually has a function of declaring the power of your king and kingdom behind you. So it's not just the physical army with you, but it's actually the entire representation of what your kingdom's power is and what your king's authority is. And so you have that victory and you have that power that you are declaring over the battle, so much so that when you bear that standard, you are saying, here we are and we're going to win. Here we are in this battle and we're going to place these standards down and this territory is ours. And so that's the third important function for us to remember. And we see this in, in that Lord of the Rings story where that banner was visible and as soon as it identified the king, the spirits rose and the victory was in hand. And we see it in the Exodus passage where Moses took the staff of God. It, yes, it wasn't cloth, it was a stick. But this, this staff, there was no question from the miracles of Exodus previous and the plagues and, and the events in Egypt that this staff had a representation of the power and the victory and the miraculous authority of the Israelite God. And then Moses took it and he got, went up a hill so he could be seen and he, rose it, he, he raised the staff up and as long as he did, he was declaring the victory and God was moving with the Israelites. And see, this is, a, this is a distinction that I want to make, and I think that Moses caught on to quite well, is that Moses didn't, when he saw all that had taken place, he didn't say that the stick was like a banner and God was the king behind the banner. For some reason, he gave the title of banner to God. He said, Lord, you are my banner. And I think the difference there is that with any other army, the banner that they bear represents the power, and it represents the kingdom, and it represents the victory, but it's actually just a piece of cloth. But for us, and for Moses, he knew that when he bore himself and he declared the victory of God against the battle, there was actually God with him in the midst of that, and he was able to move in power, and he was able to move in victory, and so God, the banner, was actually being born by Moses, through Moses, for the victory of the Israelites. And so Moses says... The Lord is my banner. And so with that in mind, we come to the understanding that we are banner bearers. God is within us. God dwells in us. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 
In 1 John 4.16, it says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God is within you. And usually when we talk about that, usually when we think about that, we tend to dwell on oh, God is within you, his joy is within you, his peace is within you, his love is within you, his guidance, his wisdom, all of these things, which are true and which are very good to talk about. Don't get me wrong. But today, I want to focus on the banner aspects, which are his power is within you, his victory is within you, and his authority, the authority of the Lord of the universe is within you today. That is the truth that I want to focus on. And those other things are, are well and good, and they're definitely true. Don't get me wrong. But a banner bearer is a steward of the king's authority, power, and victory. So if you believe that God is within you today, which I can assure you he is, if you were a born-again Christian in this place, then God is within you. Jesus said he sent the Spirit to indwell within us and be our helper then you have that gift of authority, power, and victory. And we can then learn to steward that to the glory of God and the growth of his kingdom. And so how do we do that? Well, I have a few ideas, luckily. <laughs> and they're related to those core functions that I picked up of the war banner, of the standard. Which is why I went through that at the start, so we can understand. So first, a good bearer bears the right banner. A good bearer bears the right banner. Let's look at this in a literal war sense. You are a standard bearer in an army, and you have two flags, or two standards, in your hands. In this hand, you've got the, the red banner, and by the way, you are from the red kingdom. And in this hand, you've got the purple banner. Now, the purple kingdom isn't your enemies, but they're, you know, they're just a few miles away, and they're not really related to anything you're doing right now. Which banner is going to be more effective for you to bear into battle? Which banner is going to have authority and relevance and power behind it in your battles. Hopefully, it's going to be the red banner. Switching that up, what does that mean for us? Well, I know for myself, all too often, when I have battles and issues and struggles in life, I tend to come to the battle with my one-man army, and I bear up the awesome banner of Luke. Now, I don't know what color it is, um, Maybe I like green, so maybe it's a green banner. And I don't know what symbols are on it. Maybe like a cross of lightsabers. That would be cool, right? Or, or maybe like some, some music notes or something. I don't know. It's probably a pretty cool banner. And that's the banner I usually bear into battle a lot of the time. Like, need to tie my shoelaces? Banner of Luke? Easy done. Like, no problem whatsoever. Need to make my bed in the morning? Banner of Luke. That's a little harder. But it still gets there. That, like, I've got, a, I've got a good banner going. Wash the dishes, banner of mum. <laughs> yeah, she can, she can deal with that one. But <laughs> by her power, I, I clean these dishes. Um, 
But the thing is, we end up getting into a habit of always coming to our battles with the wrong banner, or the banner that isn't our best shot. And am I saying you need to pray in the morning when you tie your shoelaces? Not quite. <laughs> but I'm saying that, that if we get into this habit of always raising the banner of Luke, or maybe it's the banner of money, money will get me through my problems. Or maybe it's the banner of health, my health will get me through my problems. Then when the bigger and bigger and bigger battles come, we're still in that habit of reaching for that particular banner. And so maybe I'll switch up. Maybe it's not um, a good bearer bears the right banner, but a good banner knows which banner to bear first. Because when we come to the battle, do I reach for the banner of Luke first, and I try that one, and I, I, I go against the army, and only when I'm beaten and bruised and, and nearly like defeated do I then reach for the banner of God? and the strength, and the power, and the authority that I have been given, and that dwells within me, not to just keep at home, but to actually employ in that battle. So which banner do you bear first into battle? And so I want to encourage you, if, you want to, if, if we want to be good stewards today, church, of the victory inside of us, we need to remember that, that we have access to that banner, that we have access to that strength and that victory. So this point is relating to the identity aspect of a standard, of a flag. And the second point is relating to the visibility. A good bearer holds his banner high. And this is very much related to the fact that we are children of God, made in the image of God. It says up there, imago Dei. A good bearer bears his banner high. Who knows that we have such an amazing God and we have such an amazing truth and an amazing gospel and an amazing message inside of us, a light and a joy that we have and it's not just for us to keep to ourselves. Who knows that if we have a victory over our battles, maybe we're bearing the right banner, maybe when we have battles we go to the banner of God every single time and we have the strength and we have the victory and we're breaking all the enemy strongholds in our lives, but who knows that the power that has been given to you, the power that dwells in you, is not for you alone. It is for your friends, it is for your family, it is for your workmates, it is for your schoolmates. To be able to say when they're coming against their battles, we can raise our banner up and we can say, see this banner, this is the banner that I have in my life, and you may not know it yet, but you will actually find, if, if, if you pay attention and you look over here, that there is a victory and there is a strength that cannot be defeated that your battles cannot stand against. And that's what we can give to them and what we are actually mandated, I believe, as good stewards to give to them. So a good bearer holds his banner high. If you want to be a good steward of the victory of God within you, then, then we need to have the presence of mind and the courage to to be able to go into those situations and not be ashamed of the gospel, not be ashamed of the light inside of us, but to let it out. In Matthew 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.
Thank you. So that's point number two about the identity of a banner. Point number three. Now we're getting to um, point number three and four are quite closely related, and I'll probably bounce back and forth a bit. But they're to do with the, the declarative power of the banner. And point three is a good banner bearer trusts the power he bears. He trusts the power he bears. See, all too often, church, we can, we can know that God is with us, and we, and we can hold that banner high, and we can, we can have it ready. But, but when push comes to shove, there's a battle looming, and we don't quite trust that. Like, we know, oh, yeah, God's the creator of the universe. He's got all power. Like, we know that in our minds. But when it comes to it, and, we, and it comes to the understanding that that power is inside of us to be, to be used and declared and stewarded by us, we don't quite trust that it's going to be as effective as God the all-powerful God. We don't quite trust that power. And this relates to the fourth point, because, because when we don't trust that power, we get scared. And see, some, some, some battles in life, you have no choice but to face. Some battles in life, they come against you, they come to meet you, and we just have to face them. But some battles in life... We have the choice whether we go to those battles or not. Maybe those are the battles with our friends or with our family or with a stranger that we see who's got a broken bone or, or just someone that's looking a bit sad and God stirs our spirit. And if we don't quite trust the power of God within us, then fear sets in and we don't go to that battle. And maybe someone else goes to that battle. Maybe God gives that battle victory anyway. But God has called us as stewards of his power to, to trust in him so that when he calls and when he stirs, we go to those battles. And so if we don't trust the power that we bear, we're going to find more often than not, we hesitate about going to those battles. But let me encourage you from the scripture, for in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. That is the power within you. In James 4 verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is the promise of God for you today, that if you submit yourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from you. That is the power you bear. That is the victory and the authority you have in your life over every stronghold, over every chain, over every obstacle that you can say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you because I have a God greater in me than he that is in the world and no power or principality or darkness can prevail. How amazing is that? <laughs> There's a song that we're going to be doing for the conference for youth and it's called Champion. It's by Bethel. And the bridge goes like this. When I lift my voice and shout, all the walls come crashing down. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. When I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. That's what we're going to be singing with the youth. But church, do you believe that today? Do you believe that today, when you, that your mouth, when you open up your mouth, you have the power to destroy strongholds? You have the power in God. It's not that we don't own the power. It's not ours. It didn't come from us. But God has gifted it to us that we may employ it in our battles against the enemy. 
I've got up there, I've got up there a little Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm sure when I start this quote, you'll all finish it. With great power comes great responsibility. Thank you. Brad, a few weeks ago, um, talked to us about the parable of the talents, where we see that servants were given coin and they were expected to do something with it and produce some sort of result, and the servant that just hid his money was called wicked and lazy. And we also said, Brad actually said a few weeks ago, that we are all already stewards, we already have the gifts inside of us, all that is left is deciding if we will be good stewards or bad stewards. And so I want to encourage you today that we have been given this gift, this victory, this power that I'm talking about, it is inside of us. But God, let me tell you, God does not equip us to go and then not send us. God does not equip us for the battles of life and then expect us to stay safe 100% of the time. Because God does not misdistribute um, his gifts in that manner. And so if you have the victory of God inside of you, it's a bit daunting, but there will be struggles and battles that God will call you to face. And he's going to stir in your spirit and you're going to have to rise up and face them. And that's where we need to be rooted in the word. We need to have an understanding of the power inside of us so that when we are called, we have no fear and we can go. And it's hard. It's difficult. It is. But I want to say, if it, it, it's, it's like a flip coin. If God, God give, has given you power, and so he will send you, because with power comes responsibility. But on the flip side, if God calls you, and if you feel that stirring then you can be assured that he has equipped you for that task. You can be assured that in the same manner that he does not equip and then not send, he also does not send without having first equipped. Because he is within you and his power and his grace is all around you. And so the fourth point, which I've been bouncing to, is a good bearer must be at the battle. If the standard bearer is at home, yeah, if I could get the band up, that would be great, thanks. A good bearer must be at the battle. A few years ago, I, was, I hopped on a bus in the city and I was headed home. And when I did, um, when I hopped on that bus, there was a few people on it. And one of those people sitting near the front had a moon boot on. And now I've seen people with injuries before and God hasn't stirred my spirit every single time I've seen a broken bone. But this time he did. My spirit was stirred to pray for this man. And as soon as that call went out, the fear set in. The fear, I'm not good enough. I'm not faithful enough. What words will I even say? How, how do I begin to pray for this person? Is he a Christian? Is he not? And then, and then more fears and, and, more, and more thoughts like, what if I pray and nothing happens? Am I going to humiliate myself? Am I going to humiliate God? Like, maybe I'm not even caring about myself. Maybe, what if, what if I give God a bad name and this person never comes to God because of that one, that one young man that prayed and nothing happened and he's like, oh, well, God's obviously not real. <laughs> as soon as the call went out, there was a fear. And I was hesitating to go to that battle. In the end, I did go. And I asked that man if I could pray for him. And he said yes. 
and I don't remember what I said, and I don't remember how receptive he was. I know that nothing happened. I know that as far as I, as far as I was aware, there was no healing, and God didn't move an inch. But I went to that battle. I went to that battle. And for me, even if it did nothing for him, that was a step in obedience for me. To say, God called me, and I had every opportunity to turn away. But that time, and I, there have been times when I have turned away from the stirring. But that time I went. And at the end of it, I could say nothing but, God, it's, it's in your hands now. But a good bearer goes to battle. You, there's gonna be, you're not going to be able to go to every battle. That's why there's more than one human in the world. But when God stirs your spirit, and if he isn't stirring your spirit, then, then ask to be stirred. That's a dangerous one. That's, that could get you in some trouble. You don't know what's going to happen with that. But if God's going to stir you for things in life, he's going to stir you for battles not your own. Again, there are battles that are already against us, and there are battles that we can go to. And it's those battles particularly where we need to trust the power we bear if we want to be good stewards. For my last, for my last closing point, I want to take us back to the story of Lord of the Rings where there was darkness and there was defeat and there was despair and then the banner arrived and there was a hope again. Well, you know that 2,000 years ago the world was lost. The world was broken and it was defeated. And then there was a cross that was raised up on a hill. And there was a death. And it seemed like the last hope had gone out for the world and for all eternity. But then the ground began to shake. And the temple veil was torn from top to bottom. And the dead rose from their tombs and began to wander and be seen in public places. And there was three words upon the cross. It is finished. Church, 2,000 years ago, we were given the ultimate standard, the ultimate banner that was raised up so we could see it. And there was no doubt as to the kingdom and the king that was behind it. And it was placed as a declaration of a victory against death, of an authority against, of all creation. And it claimed us as a people. It claimed us as a victory, that we would no longer be in the grasp and the grip of the enemy, and there would be, no longer be barbs and arrows coming against us. But there was a banner that we could hope in, a banner that we could look to, and our spirits would go from zero to infinity, because there was a hope, and there was a resurrection, and that was Jesus Christ. He is our ultimate banner, our ultimate standard that we can look to. But know today, church that not only can we look to that cross, but that same victory, 
that same earth-shattering power is within you today. And it is within you for every battle. It is within you for every sickness. It is within you for every stronghold and every addiction and every chain. And not just you, but all the broken that have yet to learn about it. All the broken and the, and the lost in the world that are suffering and they don't know which kingdom to turn to and they're raising up all these different banners and it's not working. Well, we have the banner for them. God has the banner for them. So we're going to come back into a time of worship. And I want to invite you up for prayer for two things. The first if you have if if you can if you've begun to understand the power inside of you but you don't quite trust it yet and you want to you want to have that assurance and that confidence and that boldness of God then i want to pray for you up the front today and our prayer team can pray for you that you would know in a new sense and you would know in your heart not just in your head the absolutely amazing power inside of you and the second people i want to invite up for prayer is if you have a battle in your life right now and you want to declare today and you want to make a step today that that battle is going to be won for Jesus. I don't know whether it's a sickness that you've got today. I don't know whether it's a family situation or a financial situation, but whatever your battle is, I invite you to come down the front and our team can pray with you and they can pray and they can declare the victory of God. And because who knows, with what happened 2,000 years ago, bearing a banner is less about prophecy and more about reality. It's less about telling our battle what hasn't yet been, and we actually get to remind our battle of the victory that has already been, and the victory that we already have. It's less about prophecy, and it's more about reality. So let's come up the front. I invite you, I really do. And let's remind our battles of their outcome. Let's remind our battles, let's remind the enemy of what has actually already taken place. So we're going to, why don't you stand with me and we'll begin to sing and our, and our team will come up and let's just give it all to God. I'll pray first, but please stand. Dear God, I thank you so much that you are with us. I thank you so much that you are within me and you have given me a power and a victory that I can't even begin to understand the breadth and the depth of. That you are so good. You are so wonderful that Jesus said that we would do greater things than he has done. That we would say to mountains, jump and they would jump. Lord, how amazing that you have blessed me with this. So I ask upon all of us that your spirit would pour. That we would never be in a moment of doubt or fear. But that at every battle, you would remind us and you would stir us and you would, you would tell us of the banner we bear. The living God, the undefeatable God that we bear inside of us. I thank you that you have the victory in Jesus' name. I thank you that over every person here today, you have the victory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Wonderful God. Amen. Why don't we sing?